You can have a seat. Welcome to Soma Northwest. Uh, my name is Bobby. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you were with us last Sunday, we just we had a beautiful and a, just a powerful gathering because last Sunday we we celebrated our one year anniversary as a church meeting here on Sunday mornings. Uh, but for many of you, you know that that was not the start of our church. Uh, many of us were meeting over the last few years in homes around this area. We were meeting to eat together, to pray together, uh, to, to read the scriptures together. We were involved in the life of this community, uh, serving this community, bringing other people into uh, what it means, those things that we sang, that those aren't just words that we sing, but that's a life that we live that God's kingdom, life with God, under God's rule, is not something that we have to wait for, you know, in the future when we die. But that's life right now. That's our reality right now for those of us who follow Jesus. And so last week, we celebrated the fact that for a year, we've been able to meet here on Sunday morning as an expression. This is not our church. This is not the sum total of Soma Northwest, but this is an expression a gathering together once a week that reflects the life that we have with each other outside of these couple of hours here on Sunday morning. One of the things that's unique uh, to my experience in church life at SOMA is that we are a part of what we call some church networks. Uh, they are networks of churches here in the state of Indiana and really throughout the United States that really support each other, that, that give to each other, that make it possible for not only current churches to exist, but new churches to be planted and to be started all over this country. And one of the networks that we are a part of is the Sojourn Network. It's a network of churches that was founded out of Louisville, Kentucky. We are a part of this network. And one of the things that has been really helpful for us is that as being part of this network, um, other churches around the country are praying for us weekly, monthly. Other churches around the country give out of their budget to Sojourn Network, and Sojourn Network has helped us over this last year, even financially, to just get off the ground, purchase some things, pay some of our staff, do some things in the community on a monthly basis. And one of the cool things about that is as we have received from this network, we have also been giving back into the network to see those same things happen. And this morning, I wanted to say that because I want to take some time to pray for a church this morning, uh, pastored by a friend of mine in Columbia, Missouri, Trinity Church, um, who is starting this morning their first public gatherings. So the things that we celebrated last week, today in Columbia, Missouri, they are doing that for the first time. It's a group of people who've been meeting in homes, who've been praying together, who've been serving their community, who've been worshiping together. And this morning, they are saying, 
okay, we believe it's time for us to open our doors up and, and tell our community this is who we are, this is what God has called us to in this community. And so I just wanted to take a few mes- minutes before our message this morning and ask you to join with me as we pray for Jeremy, who is the, the, the pastor of this church, and for Trinity Church, that God would, would establish them uh, this morning as a presence in that city for the gospel, for God's kingdom, to be a, a community of people who show that community what life with God under the rule of God really means in everyday life. So would you bow with me and, and lift Trinity Church up this morning? Father God, we thank you that you have blessed us uh, beyond what we understand Thank you that you have been generous to us and that you have moved others here in this city and others that we haven't even met, others that that don't know us, that don't know our context, but have said, we believe in planting churches. We believe in, in, in in bringing the gospel and supporting gospel work all over this country, that you have moved them to give and to pray for us so that we could be here on Sunday morning, so that we could be in our communities throughout the week, sharing the good news of the kingdom, meeting needs, showing mercy, doing justice, being like Jesus so that our community here in Indianapolis can look at us and say, I know what God is like because of Soma Church. And so we lift up Trinity Church this morning in Columbia, Missouri, and we are thankful that out of the resources that you have graciously given us, that we can support them. Thank you that over this last year, as we have grown, as we have uh, worked through what it means to, to start a church and to, to be a place where we can, we can invite people in and, and, and we can look outward into our community, that we can pray for Trinity Church because we've been there this first year. And so I pray for them this morning as they meet that you would encourage them, that it would be a time of celebration, that it would be a time of vision just seeing the needs of that community and saying, here we are to step into that and to bring the gospel to this community. And I just pray for them this coming year that you would provide for them financially, um, that they would be able to, 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 to do the things that you've called them to do, but also to be generous out of others' generosity towards them. We pray that you would provide for them spiritually and relationally, that as they continue to meet together, that, they, that you would bond them in the bonds of love, that you would bring them unity, that you would, would allow them to experience a relational connectedness and centeredness in you, that the strength of their community, that as they love one another, that they would show that community that they are followers of Jesus. And I pray that you would help this church grow by seeing men and women, boys and girls, come to faith in you. I pray that that you would use Trinity Church to reach the lost, reach people who are searching, reach people who, um, who are hurting with the good news of the gospel, with the peace that comes through knowing Jesus Christ. So we lift this church up to you. We pray for Jeremy and for Casey as they lead this church and that you would give them wisdom and grace and humility. And Lord, we are just thankful that you have called us to something that is bigger than ourselves. 
and that we are a part of work that's going on with people that we may never meet and places that we may never go, but we can know that we share in that together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. Last week, as we celebrated one year, we also looked ahead to this coming year as a church. And we, we talked about what does it look like for us to be that kind of community, people that are, are a part of a long-standing, consistent presence of God's kingdom here in this city, that it's not just meeting on Sunday mornings. It's not just having a place where we can drop our kids off, where they can hear about Jesus, but a place that where we look at the next 10 years, the next 20 years, the next 50 years in this city, and we ask, what is God, what can God do in us and through us to be a people that live out that life with God under God's rule? We want to experience the kingdom of God. We want to experience the reality of God's kingdom now and not just in the future. And the message, as we saw earlier this year, as we looked through Jesus' teaching in his Sermon on the Mount, we saw that Jesus came proclaiming that message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and he invited people to come and to follow him, to learn what that life with God is truly like, to see him and say, as you've seen me, you have seen the Father. You know God. You know the Creator. You know the King because you know me. And so as we talk about that, and as we desire that as a church, the question for us becomes, well, what does that look like? What does that mean for us? That sounds great. That's a great vision to call us to. That's a great vision that we can rally behind and we can get behind. But what does that actually mean for me in my life? What does that mean for our community, in our relationships with one another? And as we interact with the world that we live in, the job that we have, the schools that our kids go to, the friendships that we have, the things that we do for fun that energize us. What does it mean for us to actually live life with God under the rule of God? And we talked about last week, we, we kind of boiled that down into, into a, a phrase that we call it practicing the way of Jesus. Practicing the way of Jesus, practicing the way of Jesus. Because when we think about the kingdom of God and how we can experience life with God under the rule of God, maybe we ought to start with following Jesus, right? I mean, I know that that's groundbreaking for you here. I know that that's like super creative and innovative that to experience the kingdom that Jesus calls us to experience, that maybe we actually ought to follow Jesus, that we should learn what Jesus taught, that we should live like Jesus lived. Practicing the way of Jesus for the life of the world means that we be with Jesus be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the things that Jesus did. Simple, 
but it's not. It's simple. It sounds simple. But for so many of us, it's not. This morning, I want to look with you at that first part. Practicing the way of Jesus begins with being with Jesus. Being with Jesus. And here's the big idea that I want you to walk away with today. If you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. That being with Jesus is living in the reality of God's love for us by continually directing and redirecting our hearts to him. Let me say that again because I know that's a mouthful. Being with Jesus is living in the reality of God's love for you by continually directing and redirecting your hearts to him. And we're going to look at that this morning. So would you start, we're going to bounce around a few different places, but would you start by turning with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Feel free to use the Bible on the seat around you. If you don't have a Bible that you use regularly, feel free to take that. This morning is our gift to you. Ephesians chapter 3. And you can find that if you're using the Bible around you on page 568. This is a prayer written by the Apostle Paul to a group of people that he knew really well. If you read the New Testament you will find out that Paul spent time in Ephesus with these people longer than he spent with anybody else. He lived with them. He worked with them. He had friendships and relationships with them. And he writes to them and he says, this is what I'm praying for you. Pick it up in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, let's look at that first. I want to start. Paul talks about this inner being. He says, I'm praying for your inner being. Okay? And last week, we talked about the fact that we are that what makes us people, our whole person, we are complex people, right? We are not just one thing. We're not just a mind. We're not just a body, but that we are complex people. And that when we talk about who we are as humans and what makes us a person, we talked about five things, our thoughts, our feelings, our choices, the body that we live in, and the social context that we're a part of the relationships that we have with other people. That makes us, us. That's what makes you who you are. And so when Paul prays that you would be strengthened, he prays for these saints, and by extension, he's praying for us as well, that, that, 
that they would be strengthened in their inner being. Another word that the Bible uses for that is heart. That they would be strengthened in their heart. Now, he's not talking about the physical beating heart, but he's talking about that, that what controls us, what directs us, what gives direction and, 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 and definition to that whole person. Our thoughts, our feelings, our choices, the, 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 the things that our body does, the, the relationships that we have with each other, why we think the way we think why we feel the way we feel, why we make the decisions and the choices that we, the way that we do, what we do with our body and how our body acts and reacts to other physical things in our lives, how we relate to others in our social context. Paul says, I'm praying for your inner being, your heart, that which directs and guides your life and what makes you, you. I'm praying that it would be strengthened by the Spirit of God. And what we talked about last week is that we are not independent people. As much as we like to think that we are, we are not independent people. You did not arrive at the place you are in your life right now all on your own. You are not who you are all by yourself, that we are all shaped and we are all formed by something, right? We are all shaped and we are all formed by something. We are shaped by things that are out of our control, right? Things like our family that we were born into. You didn't choose your family, but you were shaped by your family. You were formed by your family. The culture and the society that you were a part of and that you grew up in, you didn't choose that. You didn't choose to be white or to be black. You didn't choose to, to uh, experience the traditions that you experienced that have been around long before you came about in this world. Those were things that you were born into. You didn't choose and you don't choose your circumstances, right? There are things that happen to you that are completely out of your control. All of us can say amen to that, right? There are things that we encounter every day and every week that if it were up to us, we wouldn't choose to go through those things and to experience those things. So all of these things out of our control, they influence us for good. They shape us for bad, right? But there are things that also shape us by the choices that we make, the relationships that we're in, the community that we choose to be a part of, the people that we listen to, the people that we learn from. And those also shape us for good. And it, they can shape us for bad. Paul prays to the Father that these Ephesians would be strengthened with power through His Spirit. And remember when we were in John, and Jesus says, I am going away, talking to His closest friends who He'd spent day after day after day for three years with. He says, I am going away, but it's to your advantage that I'm going away. Why? It was actually better for them that he goes away. Why? Because he promised to send his spirit, one just like me, he says, to be in you and to be with you. So Paul says, the spirit of God that is in you 
I am praying would strengthen you with power to do what? So that Jesus will dwell in your heart through faith. So Paul says, I pray. I pray that the spirit that lives in you would give you strength, give your inner being, your heart, that control center, that decision center of your life that influences every part of who you are. I pray that it would be strengthened with power so that Jesus would dwell in you through faith, that he would make his home in you, that he would abide with you, that he would come to live in you. Now, you may say, well, wait, I thought the Spirit already lived in me. So why is Paul praying that he would come to live in me? That's not what Paul's saying. He's acknowledging the Spirit's already there, right? The presence of God is already in you, but he's praying that that presence of God, the Spirit of Jesus living in you, would be at home in you, would be at home in you. And when that happens, he says, so that you rooted and grounded in love would be able to know God's love for you. That you being rooted and grounded in love would be able to know that God loves you. So what, what's really going on here? Let, let, let's unpack this a little bit. Paul is praying that through the Spirit's work, that Jesus would abide, make his home in our hearts, that Jesus would permeate our whole person, that Jesus would fill up and permeate our thoughts, that Jesus would permeate our feelings, that Jesus would fill up our decisions and our choices, that Jesus would permeate our physical body and that Jesus would be at the center of our relationships with each other. Paul prays that Jesus would come and make his home, fill up that whole house of our heart, fill up that whole area that controls our whole person, that when through the Spirit, Jesus abides in us, that we can really know God's love. That we can really know God's love. That God's love is our source for life. That you would be rooted. That you would be nourished by God's love. And that God's love would also be our foundation for life. Established, built on God's love. When we are nourished when we grow up in the love of God for us and we begin to perceive that, to acknowledge that, to embrace that as true and we live in response to that, that is transformation. That is how our lives are transformed. God's love for you is both the source and the goal of being with Jesus. God's love for you is both the source and the goal of being with Jesus. Think about this. When you are in relationship with people whom you know love you unconditionally, what does that do for you in that relationship? 
that changes everything, right? When you are in relationship with a spouse or a parent, a brother or a sister, a close friend who you know loves you, really, really loves you, that completely changes that relationship that you have with that person, right? That's a completely different relationship that you have with that person as opposed to just somebody maybe you work with, the neighbor that you live by. Because you know that person loves you no matter what. God wants us to know that that is the kind of relationship that we have with him. God loves you. He loves you. It's a fact. It is a reality. And Paul prays that Jesus, through the power of God's Spirit, would live, would make his home, would abide in us so that we would live in love in our whole person. That in our thoughts, in our feelings, our decisions, our physical body, and the relationships that we have, that all of that would be filled with the love of God. Turn with me to John chapter 15. We were just here a month or so ago. John chapter 15. So Paul prays to the Father that through the, through the Spirit, Jesus would abide in us. And that because Jesus abides and makes his home and stays with us, that we would live in the reality of God's love for us. Hear these words of Jesus. Let's, John chapter 15, starting in verse 4. Talking to his disciples, he says this, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That's not a great vote of confidence that Jesus has in us, right? I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, And I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Skip down to verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Listen to this. These things I have spoken to you. Why? That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. As far as I can tell, um, in those verses that we read, Jesus calls His disciples to abide Five times. Five times. Abide in me. Jesus calls his disciples to make themselves at home in him. 
just as Paul prayed that Jesus would make himself at home in the lives of the Ephesians, in their inner being, in their heart, that would permeate their whole person, Jesus commands his disciples to make their home in him, to be with him, to stay with him, to remain in him. He is driving that point home. Be with me. Get in my presence and stay there. And look at verse 10. Look at verse 10 again. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus says, abide to his disciples. Stay with me, be with me, and live in the reality of God's love for you. Just as I have lived in the reality of my Father's love for me, I want you to live in the reality of my love for you. Stay with me. Be with me. Live in the reality of my love for you. And what will happen? You will bear fruit. And because of that, you will know my joy. You can live a life full of joy. So, According to these verses, what are we supposed to do? Abide. What is God going to do? Produce the fruit. We are called to abide. God is called. God has promised to produce the fruit. Last passage. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. So take a, take a right from John. Galatians is the letter right before Ephesians, where we just were. 567, if you're using the Bible around you. Galatians chapter 5. And look at verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. He goes through this long list of things. But look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, how do we read this? Do we read this as a list of things that we have to do? How many of you have done this? You read this list, you're like, man, I need to be more loving. So this week... I'm going to try to be more loving. And then you get to the next week and you're like, man, I, I really need to be more patient. And so this week, I'm just going to really try to be patient. And we kind of will our way into these things, don't we? We, tr we try to work hard to be loving. We try to work hard to be patient. But here's the thing about willpower. All of us have it. 
but it runs out about 9.30 in the morning, doesn't it? Right? When you actually get into your day, you have the plan. I mean, you know, for those of you who are boxing fans, Mike Tyson said everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> we all have a plan until life punches us in the face. For me, it's my kids. <laughs> I get up, man, and I, you know, I'm like, man, I just, you know, I really want to parent well today. <laughs> I want to be gentle with my kids. I want to be patient with my kids. And, you know, I mean, for me, it's early. my kids wake up earlier, so 9.30 is just, if I make it to 9.30 with my willpower, I'm doing great. 8 o'clock, my kids punch me in the face, you know, and there goes my plan to be more loving, to be gentle, to be patient. It just flies out the window. And we look at these verses, and so often we read them as we have got to be more of this. You have got to do more of this. But as far as I can tell, the only command in this passage is at the beginning, walk by the Spirit. The command is not be more loving. The command is not be patient. Paul says, the only thing I'm asking you to do here is to walk in the Spirit, to abide. Remember what Jesus said. Remember what he said here. A, a branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. I mean, when's the last time that you walked by a fruit tree and heard it grunting and straining? to produce fruit. Huh? That's just, that's not what happens. The fruit comes because that tree is rooted into the ground and being nourished by its roots. The fruit comes out of that branch because that branch is attached to that vine, that big trunk that is getting the nutrients up through the roots, out of the ground, and spreading it out to the branches. Jesus says the same thing is true for you and for me. Jesus hasn't called us to be more loving. He's called us to abide. Jesus hasn't called us to be people who are more patient and who are more joyful. He's called us to abide, to a walk in the Spirit. And he says when that happens, that fruit will come out. When we abide, when we remain, when we stay connected to Jesus, God will produce fruit that we all want in our lives. And Jesus says when that happens, you will know joy. You will know joy. You will be filled with the fullness of God. Jesus invites us. He invited his disciples and he invites us. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Jesus lived in his Father's love for him. And he invites the disciples to do the same thing. So again, let me go back to that big idea that I mentioned at the beginning. Being with Jesus is living in the reality of God's love for me by continually directing and redirecting my heart to him. Living, being with Jesus is living in the reality of God's love for us by continually directing and redirecting our heart to him. Now, when we think about being with Jesus and being in the presence of Jesus, a lot of times 
we have kind of trained ourselves to think of that as being away from everything else. That in order to be with Jesus means I have to be away from everything else. And for so many of us, that's just not life, is it? We don't live in a monastery. We haven't secluded ourselves off from real life. We, we don't, many of us don't have a prayer room in our house where we go in and we lock the door and we turn the lights on and we spend hours just alone in that room. It's not even a worship service that we come to on Sundays. So this is part of it. This is not the sum total of it. The practice of Jesus that we're talking about here, being with Jesus, is like the practice of being two places at once. And I'm going to explain that here in a second. But it happens within the routine of our daily life. Within daily living, it's an awareness that Jesus is with you and in you while you're working, while you're with your kids, while you're having fun, while you're sitting in class. Everything that you do, everywhere that you are, being with Jesus means that you live in an awareness that he is with you and in you in that moment in what you are doing. And it's not just knowing that in a factual way, but an experience that God loves you. Remember, that's the source, and that's the goal of being with Jesus. I know that God's lo- God loves me, and I'm living in response to the fact that God loves me, that God's love for me shapes my thoughts about myself. My thoughts about who God is. My thoughts about what I experience in the world around me. That God's love for me shapes how I feel about other people. How I feel about a particular circumstance or an experience that I'm going through. God's love shapes my choices. The way that I choose to live my life, how I spend my money, how I invest my time, how I treat other people. God's love shapes all of these things about who we are. And we direct our hearts to him by living like Jesus lived. We can direct our hearts to him by simply living as Jesus lived. I think sometimes we have a hard time of distinguishing. Is Jesus the Messiah or is he a rabbi? Is Jesus a Messiah or is he a rabbi? Messiah meaning all of us in this room, if you are a Christian, would acknowledge that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost to transform lives, to spiritually bring us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. I think if you are a Christian, you probably agree and would affirm with those things, right? That Jesus is our Savior. But is Jesus your teacher? Is Jesus your teacher? Is he your Savior? Yes, that is super important. But is Jesus your teacher? Jesus came to transform us, but he also came to teach us how to live. How to live. I mean, that's what he invited people to come into, right? He said, come and follow me, right? And what did that mean? It meant come and live with me. 
Come and experience life with me. Come and watch how I live. Come and participate in the things that I'm doing. It wasn't just come and let me spiritually save you and then go back to doing what you were doing. It's come and follow me, a real person who lived a real life and did real things. So when we think about being with Jesus and directing our hearts to him, living in that awareness of God's love for me, I'm a very practical person. I want to know how do I do that? What does that look like in the daily routine of my life? You want to be like Jesus? Start being with Jesus by practicing Jesus' way of life. You want to be with Jesus? Then start practicing Jesus' way of life. When you look through the gospel accounts, you will see Jesus reading the scriptures, quoting the scriptures, talking about the scriptures. With You see Jesus praying to his Father, spending time praying. You see Jesus fasting. You see Jesus spending time of rest and not work all the time. Jesus rested. You see Jesus getting away and just being in silence, being in sol- just being away from the noise of the world. You see Jesus living simply. That Jesus wasn't you know, super into all the material trappings of that day that didn't control his life, that didn't run his life. All of these things that we talk about, all of these practices, they are a means to an end. They are a means to an end. Being with Jesus and being shaped by his love for us. The call isn't to be an expert in knowing the Bible. And, in, and, and, and knowing everything that the Bible says. We read the Bible. We know the Bible so that we can know who God is. So we can know what God says about us. So that we can know how to make decisions and interact with the world. I will tell you right now, you will never, ever, ever be like Jesus if you refuse to read the Bible. You will never, ever Experience the life that God wants you to experience apart from reading and knowing his word. I'm not calling you to be a scholar. I'm not calling you to know everything about what it says. I'm not calling you to understand Greek and Hebrew and all of those things and to spend eight hours a day, you know, parsing all of these words. What God says is this is my word to you. So if you want to know God, You have to read his word. You will never be like Jesus if you do not pray. You will never be like Jesus if you do not pray. And you again, you don't have to be an expert in prayer. You don't have to sound a certain way when you pray. You don't, there are not all the there are not right things to say when you pray. You are simply responding to what God has already said. You are responding to what God is already doing. You pray to be with Jesus. All of these things are a means to an end, and that end is knowing God's love for you. Knowing that God loves you. We are disciples. We are learners. 
and we will never quit being disciples. We will never quit being learners. Everyone has to start somewhere. And so here's what I want to challenge you with this week. We're going to dig into more of these things as we go along throughout this year and, and give you tools and, and, and just unpack what a lot of these practices are and how they play out in our lives. But I want to challenge you, excuse me, with this. Would you commit to this week, starting tomorrow, this week, to waking up 10, 15 minutes earlier than you would? And just opening your Bible and just reading for a few minutes. Read for a few minutes. Think about what you've read. And then respond to God in prayer. Let me give you an example. With that passage that we just read in Galatians. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They are opposed to each other. And they keep us from doing the things that we want to do. God, I pray that today I would walk by your spirit. I pray that I wouldn't just gratify the things that I want to do. That I wouldn't just go off doing things on my own but that I would, you would, through the power of your spirit, help me to think through what you want for my life today. That in this particular situation at work, that I wouldn't try to do it in my own strength, but that I would rely on you. With this relationship today that's really hard, would you give me the power to respond in grace and with humility and with patience? Would you commit to doing that this week? I just feel like one of the most transformational things that we can do in our lives, but also for this world, is just be people who stop on a daily basis and say, God, what are you saying? And then how can I ask for your strength to approach this day ahead? Just think about that. If we, every person in this room today, was empowered by the Spirit each day this week. Think what kind of a difference you could make in your family, in your workspace, in the relationships that you have in your life by simply taking some time to be with Jesus, to be aware that He loves you and that He has given you strength to face life, the good and the bad. We take communion every week because it is a reminder to us. It is a symbol of what Jesus has done for us. That when we talk about being with Jesus, that it's possible because Jesus humbled himself, laid aside the glory and the riches of heaven, to come to this earth, to become like one of us, to live a life like we lived, and to die for us so that we could be right with God and we could have a relationship with God. And that's not just for us individually. It's for all of us together. And that's why we do it together. That's why we take bread off of one loaf together. That's why we dip that bread into one cup 
together because we recognize that we are all in this together, that God has saved us, that God is working through us, that God loves us both individually and collectively. So I want to invite you this morning, if you are a follower of Jesus, meaning have you put your faith in Jesus to save you? I want to invite you to come and to take a piece of the bread, to dip it in the cup. We have some gluten-free crackers that will be at the back as well for those who need that. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a Christian here this morning, coming and just doing this, it's nothing special. This is a symbol of something that is already true of you. And so if it is not, I just invite you to stay in your seat. There's no shame in that. There's no guilt in that. Nobody's going to be judging you for that. But we would love to talk with you more about what that means for you, what it means to follow Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus, to live in the kingdom of God. Being with Jesus means that today, as you leave this place, you can live in the reality that God deeply, deeply loves you. That God is not standing over your shoulder just waiting for you to screw up. God is not heaping burden after burden after burden on you. But God loves you. God loves you. Father, we thank you for that truth. We thank you that when you call us to be with you, that it's not just jumping through religious hoops. It's not just doing a bunch of things to check off of our list. It's not even a formula that if we do X, Y, and Z, then we'll get this. But that it is being with and acknowledging and living in the reality that the God of the universe created us. And so, God, I just pray that we would be people that you would make us into people who don't see ourselves as people who have to be experts, who have to be scholars, who have to have all of our stuff together in order to walk with you, but people who can simply day by day by day acknowledge that you love us and that we can live our lives, our thoughts, our feelings, our decisions, our relationships, can be lived in the reality of that love. Make us a community where that is true. And I pray that as that is becoming true of us, that our world outside would see that and that you would bring many, many, many people in our city into your kingdom to live life with you under your rule, your gracious and loving rule. In Jesus' name. Amen.